Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Oh my goodness, I've got to say, I love Easter. I love Easter. I love it. And guys, for those of you who think that's saying it's a pagan holiday, it's not. You can look it up. But it's a, let me just tell you, it means He is risen. He has risen from the dead. Listen, this is the best news ever because there's a, if you guys know anything about the laws of thermodynamics, the second law of thermodynamics says everything runs down, gets worse, and dies. Everything but Jesus. And so I am, last night um, we were talking um, with uh, our daughter and um, Masha was like, hey, why don't tonight we read the Bible story of what of the of the crucifixion and resurrection? And my daughter's response was Ural's response. Oh no, please no. <laughs> Why do you think that is? <clears throat> yes, not you, but they yes. Heard it so many. Oh, come on. Wah 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 wah. And and you ever hear something, you're like, but I, I feel like there's grace here, but it's obviously not like that. And I said, Well, how about this? How about I tell you the story, perhaps in a way you've never heard? And God showed up in that time. And, and uh, we got done. She said, oh, my goodness, that was so good. And now you're going to have to do that tomorrow. <laughs> and I do want to do that today. Because I want to take you into the story, perhaps like you've never heard it before. I want to take you into it from the perspective of everybody around Jesus. And so just go with me on this, all right? Because everybody who came to Jesus came to Jesus with a question. No, everybody came to him with a need, right? Every, nobody just like, hey, Jesus, want to hang out? We're just shooting pool this weekend. No, they all come with a question, a need, or a problem, like all of us. So let's just watch. You guys remember, if you've got Bibles, always recommended. You can go to John 11, and we're going to pick up the story there. I'm not going to be reading so much, but you can if I become boring. <laughs> you've got this whole situation. Jesus has gone up onto the mount, on this mountain, and he uh, takes Peter, James, and John, his three uh, amigos, and takes them up on the mountain. And there's this incredible moment where the man that they've known is transfigured. He's changed in their sight into something so much more than a man. And he, there he's standing with two guys who should be dead, Elijah and Moses. Like, what? I don't know what's going on. And, and Peter goes, this is a great idea. I don't know what to do. Who are my people? When you don't know what to do, you talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Right, verbal processors. Uh, we should build tents here. Like, build three tents, because there's three of you. And Jesus is like, and, and I love, the whole father comes down and speaks a word. Who here wants to hear a word from the Lord? Yes. Basically, he says, shut up and listen to my son. <laughs> I, I come. <laughs> That's a word. <laughs> I'm going to get that tattooed, right? And, here, and, and Jesus, and they see him. And after this, you know, Jesus says, listen, this is, this is it. This is huge. They've, like, seen him, and Jesus is getting prepared to go and die, and he starts telling his, his disciples, hey guys, I'm going to die. And they're like, yeah, we all die eventually. <laughs> Why? 
Because let me ask you a question. The disciples, when they followed Jesus, what were they following him for? What, is, what was their question? What were they getting answered? When are we going to take down the Romans? Come on, come on. Power to the people, baby. Overthrow. Overthrow. When are, yes, come on. What else? Am I going to heaven? You know what? Believe it or not, I don't even know if they knew that question. That's the crazy part. But it might have been. It might have been. Like, because they're like, they wanted to know. They called it the bosom of Abraham. They didn't know what else to call it. They're like, we're going to the bosom of Abraham. I don't know what, what kind of, anyway. All right, heaven. What else? Trust, believe, Trust and belief in the day. Come on. I don't know. Miracles, right? Uh, I, I'd say this. They, they, it's so funny. We have this one moment where James and John are just not enough pushy enough, so their mom goes to bat for them. You guys remember that? And they're like, hey, I can see you're moving in the kingly way. Because their idea was the Messiah was a king who would overthrow the Romans, right? And so what do you, if you are the assistant to a king, you're a prince, right? And they're like, at least a prime minister. I'm not, I'm not picky, right? And she's like, hey, when you come into your kingdom, I was thinking maybe, you know, they're like a size this for thrones. Right? And, and, he, and he looks at him. He's like looking at him. They're just standing behind mama. And he goes, guys, can you, can you drink the cup I'm about to drink? And they're like, oh, totes. And he said, can you do the baptism I'm about to get baptized into death? Uh-huh. What did he say? Right? And he's like, oh, you'll get it. Don't worry. But no, you can't. Anyway, so they're all in it for thrones. They're in it for power. They're in it for walking in their destiny. They're in it for money. Money, power, yeah. Now, here's the thing. You know, listen, so this is crazy. So here they are, and Jesus is like, and I'm going to die. Come rejoice with me. What does Peter say when Jesus says, I'm going to die? I'll die with you. Actually, he first said, uh-uh, ain't happening. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Well, that's awkward. Right after Peter said, you're the Messiah, you're the king. He said, he said no, if you're the Messiah, you can't die. And Jesus, so there, there they are, and they're making their way. And Jesus goes out to this place called Perea, out where John was baptizing. And all these people are coming out, and it's incredible. And he hears about his buddy Lazarus has died. You can see Peter going, Peter, oh my gosh, your buddy Lazarus. Remember Mary and Martha? He, he, he kicked, he's dying. He's dying. Remember, you're the miracle dude. Right? I came to you for miracles. Mary and Martha came to him for miracles. And what did Jesus do? Do you guys remember? He goes, it's all good. He'll wait. Anybody here waited on Jesus? Anybody found Jesus' timing is not your timing? So as we were, um, as Peter was telling us the story yesterday, this revelation dawned on me for the first time, y'all. And maybe y'all have thought about this before. Um, but I really, re- I realized, why did he, like, the reason why he took the time with Lazarus. Do you want to take a guess? How many days was he dead? He would die, yes. How many days? Four. Fourth day. Fourth day he shows up. So what do you think what do you think was the 
father's purpose to delay that. Hmm? So Lazarus could die, but then why did he stay dead for a while? Usually Jesus would resurrect people like... Oh. Yep, because they thought it wouldn't have been a real miracle till then. But listen to this. I believe the Father was preparing Jesus. Right? He was building his faith. Right? Anybody here been asked to go where you've never been? So I believe with Lazarus, he was preparing Jesus. He's, I'm sure Jesus, I mean, he walked as God and man, but he walked in the limited understanding, right? And he, he knew where Father was calling him, but in humanity, it was still like such a huge stretch. Because he was tempted in every way like us. Mm-hmm. He wasn't just... So with, with resurrecting Lazarus... He was prophesying and preparing for his own resurrection but also, and to believe. But also preparing the disciples. I, I said this to a, a friend of mine who, who was going through a hard time. I gave him a prophetic word and he said, well, that's nice, but it doesn't really apply. And apparently the next day it applied. When we're going through a hard time, believe when you have a hard question, God's already given you the answer. If you'll look backwards, but you may not have noticed the answer. And so Jesus comes in and he raises uh, Lazarus from the dead. And I don't know, I, I can imagine Martha shows up to Jesus, starts just kicking him in the shins, right? Anybody here tried to kick God in the shins? Yeah. Why? Why would we kick God in the shins? He's not doing what we want him. We're upset to see if he moves. moves. (laughs) Right? Not doing it in our time. Not doing it in our way. They expected miracles, but they expected them a certain way. Anyway, so Jesus goes, this is, it's incredible, but then... Right when his fame is exploding, which it would if you raise people from the dead, Jesus takes the disciples and he heads out to this place called Ephraim. It's in the middle of nowhere. And he hangs out with the disciples and he pours into them for a few months, just pouring into them, just incredible, powerful. And then Jesus goes, now's the time. And he heads back to the scene of the crime where Lazarus is being there. He comes in and when he's headed there, the disciples are like, dude, we've heard the rumors. They're trying to kill you. Jesus goes, exactly. (laughs) And they're heading there and they come and they stop off at Mary and Martha. You know, if you're going to keep a low profile, you stay away from the guy you just raised from the dead. But they're at this dinner and Mary is suddenly moved to do something fundamentally nonsensical. Now stay with me. We know the sense of it. Many times when God leads you to do something, it only makes sense after the fact. Anybody done that? Anybody here, you'll only move if God explains the why? Good luck with that, child. I'm just telling you. I can't tell you the number of times God's like, do. And I'm like, why? And he's like, because I told you so. You're going to give me more info? No. 
Mary does something, and she does something radical. She's so moved because of what Jesus has done in her life, but also in the life of her brother who's raised from the dead. She takes a huge chunk of money stored in the form of nard, of this precious oil. It was a form of, of, of it was also a form of currency. It was a way to store money into this incredibly precious oil. And she breaks it open so, and pours it out on Jesus. Guys, I'm sorry, that makes no sense. That's so wasteful. But she didn't know how to show him the magnitude of her gratitude. And she just pours it out on his feet. And there was somebody watching. Judas. You guys remember Judas? Judas is watching. Judas, who followed Jesus, Jesus, who saw the miracles, who it almost certainly miracles happened through Judas's hands. He was sent out to minister in Jesus's name. Judas, who was taking care of, he was the CFO for the Jesus Evangelistic Association. He was watching the money. Judas is right there and Judas gets ticked. Why is Judas ticked? It's an insane amount of money. It was a year's wages for a rich person. It was tons of money, and it was going nowhere. It was pointless. Just made a really stinky room. Anybody been around somebody who put on a little too much perfume? Like, like literally, you pour out that amount of nard, everybody's going, oh, my God. Right? Like, well, you made a stink. Merry Christmas, right? Like there's no point to it. What? This is so offensive. Why would you pour out so much? And Jesus goes, shut up, basically. She has prepared, she doesn't even know what she did, but she prepared my body for burial. Mary, her expectations, because remember how frustrated and hurt and angry she was with Jesus when Lazarus wasn't raised from the dead. But she allowed God to so confront her understanding that she does something that makes no sense even to her. The next day, Jesus goes, let's go to Jerusalem. Oh, and by the way, I'm feeling a little tired. Guys, I'm going to send two of you guys out to go get me something to ride on. Imagine I was to say to a couple of you, hey, could you guys run over to Target for me? And uh, you're going to find a car idling out front with keys in it. If you could just bring it back, that'd be great. There's a reason why horse thievery was a capital offense in the world, ancient world, and, the, and not so ancient world. This is, you don't do this. They're like, oh, keep a low profile. And if anybody asks them, just tell them the master. Any particular master? The master requires it. Sometimes God will tell you to do things that offend your understanding. In fact, he often will. Because the question we're asking Jesus is often one that our own understanding is getting in the way of. So anyway, they bring this, this donkey back to Jesus and they bring a colt. What kind of colt is it? Is it a donkey colt? On which what? Nobody has ever ridden. Who are any horse people? What do you not do with an animal that's never been ridden? Don't sit on it. I've tried to sit on my dog. It doesn't work. My cat not, it didn't even work. No. We'll talk, we'll talk about the goldfish. 
But no, seriously, you don't sit on the back of a colt. How useless is this? But he brings a colt, and the colt is chill. <laughs> and they go walking in. It's also a horrible look. It's not a, it's not, you normally, you want, if you want to make a spectacle, you come in on a horse or with a chariot or an entourage. But when he comes, suddenly the people start praising. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This, you know why? Because they believe he's the Messiah. That word, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that's the kind of stuff they said to the Maccabees when the Maccabees kicked out the, the Syrians, when they took over. They're expecting him to be another kind of military leader. This is our moment. Set us free from the Romans. Set us free from taxation. And they're worshiping, and they come in, and what this does is it drives the Jewish leaders nuts because they see him as a threat. And he goes, and he immediately, he goes to the temple. They send guards to arrest him. The guards can't because the people are pressed in. At this time, Israel is so jam-packed with people that it is probably, so there was normally about 100,000 to 200,000. It would swell up to a million or three million people. It's packed, absolutely packed. And Jesus goes into the temple and then that orange arrow, and then he goes back out to Bethany. And he does this every day. He just coming and going. Whole time, I can see, like, you know, I'm sure one of the disciples, probably Simon the Zealot, was in charge of security. You know, and he's like, okay, Jesus, we need to keep a low profile. We're going to change our route every day. You know, and she's like, let's just go the same route. <sighs> Fine. And they come in, and they're coming in, and Jesus goes, oh, by the way, I, I need a place for Passover. Good luck with that. It's like trying to find anybody during the Olympics tried to find a place to stay. It was like that. It was like, it was worse than that. It was like, literally, these places were booked for generations. These are like season tickets uh, for, for Georgia. It was impossible to get. You couldn't get. And Jesus goes, nah, it's all right. Got it for you. Boom. They've got a place to stay. They've got an upper room. This is amazing. Nice place. So they go and he takes them. That's that, that red line. He takes them to the upper room and they gathers them there. And the first thing he does, right? They have watched him become, he's finally going to be king. He's finally going to be Messiah. I promise you, some of them, not just Judas, got, got uh, fitted for Gucci robes that week. They're like, I, I just feel like I should have something nice for coronation. What do you think? Is this a good color for me? Like there, who here has spent money before you had it? Yes. Who here has spent the breakthrough of God before you got it? I got a word from the Lord. Cash it, baby. Right? You're bringing that as collateral to the bank. Right? No. And, and like, because who here has imagined where the breakthrough is going to come and how the breakthrough is going to come? And who saw it happen the way you imagined and expected? <laughs> I'll wait. No. 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 They have questions and they have assumptions. But what does Jesus do? The minute they walk in, you got to understand, you get a million people and all these animals, no sanitation. What kind of streets? Extremely stinky. And the, you know where they put the, um, um, the uh, human refuse when they got done with it? There was a middle gutter down the middle of the street. And imagine you're in oppressive crowds and you're trying to stay out of the middle gutter. What happens to your feet? Levels of nasty you don't even want to talk about. 
And here they are, and Jesus goes, whoo, and they're like, you can see them walking in, they're like, whoa, I don't know what to do with these dogs, this is nasty, this is nasty, dude, man, did anybody think to hire a servant? We need somebody to clean our feet. And Jesus strips down to a loincloth and begins to wash their feet. Ah, no, 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 no. I don't want that kind of king. I don't want a servant king. Because see, Jesus said, you, no man is greater than his master. And if my master's a servant, a slave, a master who wipes poop off people's feet, I don't want to be that. And Jesus says to Peter, he goes, then you're not going to have any part of me. And what does Peter say? Fine, take all of me. I don't want, don't kick me out. Jesus consistently confronts our expectations, our demands, our ideas. And Jesus goes, it's cool, bro. Literally, just your feet stink. The rest of you is fine. And then he says, but I got bad news. Welcome to Survivor. One of you will, not be, go- will be going home tonight. <laughs> One of you did not make the cut. You know, and I love, they're so flipped out, they literally have no clue who it is. That's my favorite part. They have no clue. Jesus said, the one who dips his bread with me, he's the one. And Jesus goes, surely not I. Jesus goes, you know what you've planned to do? Because Judas had already planned to sell out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. It's good money. And John tells us because he'd been stealing for a long time. Do you know one of the things that happens when we, are, we have a, a secret, we have a, a thing that we're doing that violates relationship? It starts to make everybody the enemy. It starts to make everybody a threat. It starts to, my world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And here Judas is with the God of the universe, God with skin on, the Messiah. And he goes, I think it'd be a great idea to make 30 bucks off him. Now, some have made a point, I think he probably is true, is that he was hoping to push Jesus to make a stand and be the kind of king Messiah he wanted. Make him take a stand before the high priest. Maybe. But I would also say that when we separate ourselves from others, when we hide away, we develop expectations that are fundamentally out of keeping with reality. And we start making up a story that doesn't make any sense. Anyway, Judas takes off and the the rest of them are, are, are freaking out and they go, no, okay, 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 what's going on? And Jesus goes, not a problem. Now we're going to make a new covenant. It's happening, boys. It's happening. This is it. We've been waiting this moment. He's about to show us what kind of kingdom it's going to be. It's a kingdom in my own blood. This is my body broken for you. No servant is greater than his master. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a a kingdom of my body broken. And this is my blood. Drink it up, drink it up. The bread and the wine. And the disciples are so confused. What's going on? What's going on? I don't understand. What are you doing? And God, Jesus goes, but don't worry, guys. I've got to go away for a little bit. 
And Philip goes, where are you going? And Jesus goes, he said, show us the way. He said, I am the way. Anybody ask God a question and got an answer that makes no sense to you? And Jesus in that moment says, I am the way. He said, Philip goes, no. He goes, okay. Well, then he said, I am the way, the truth and life, the way. You know, I'm the way to the Father. And what does Philip say? Show us the Father. Again, thinking of who are my verbal processors. You don't know what to say. You just say something. And Jesus goes, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He's finally coming clean. He's telling him, guys, I am God with skin on. I stand before you. I am the way to the Father. That's the whole point. And they're like, what about the thrones? What about the kingdom? What about the money? What about the power? And in that moment, then he, he says, he says, but... He finally gives up talking to him and he just starts talking to God. (laughs) He says, God, he starts praying. He goes, God, God, I pray that the glory you've given me somehow will get on these doofuses. (laughs) They're not looking very glorious. Lord, help them. them. I've given them the glory. Lord, help them to use it. Help them to receive the glory. The glory is that they would look like you, look like me, and that they would be one together instead of this fighting rabble they would be one even as we are one, I in you and they in me. And I can imagine the disciples are like, I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> and in fact, they do that. They keep poking. You ask him what it means. You ask him. Finally, Jesus says this amazing, I love this line. He says, the prince, behold, the prince of this world comes. And basically, what it means in the Greek is, Let's get it on. Why? He knows that the, the plans of Judas are in motion, that things are growing short, and he never runs from the battle. He runs to the battle. He doesn't hide from your problems. He doesn't hide from the issues. He runs at them, and he takes them out to the Garden of Gethsemane. If you're going to hide in the middle of a, a crowd is a great place to hide. If you're going to hide in an upper room is a great place to hide. If you're going to hide in the middle of an empty park is not a good idea. He goes out to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's got the 12 guys with him. And he says, here's the deal. They know, they know that there is an arrest warrant out for Jesus' life. He says, I need you guys to stand watch. Stand watch. What do you think stand watch means? Stand and watch. Keep a lookout. You know, make the owl signal. You know, woohoo. You know, if you see an armor, you know, whatever. I don't know. Like, you know, like make a sound, right? Jesus goes on and he says, all right, you three, come with me. And they're like, we're in, guys. It's about to get real. The kingdom's now. And Jesus goes, all right, guys, I got I to gotta talk to the Father, sort things out. So I need you guys to be my inner sanctum, my inner circle. I need you to watch and pray with me. Jesus is asking us to pray with him. All right, all right. And Jesus goes and prays. And when he comes back, what does he find? Oh, dude, oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah, no, totally. I was not, not, no, I'm fine. How would you feel at this moment? I would feel like a reject. I would feel pathetic. I'd feel like a loser. I would. I'd feel so much shame. Oh, no, no, no problem. Now, if you guys remember earlier, he said, guys, it's about to get real. Any of you guys got any swords? You'll need them. They go, we got two swords. 
He said, okay. So I can see Peter just like, I got the sword. I got the sword. Which end do you hold? Anyway, and so then he goes, Jesus goes away. And Jesus, while Jesus is the way, he's weeping. He's weeping. Why is he weeping? Because of what Masha said. He knows what he's about to face. He knows what he's about to face. And he just spent the last hours trying to tell the men that he has given his life for, and they still don't get it. Anybody here sacrificed and nobody cared? How did that make you feel? What did you want to do? Take your sacrifice back. I will take it. Right? But no, he's like, God, God, will there be? I am going. You might say, who here has repelled? Repelled, like off a cliff. There is a moment when you let go, and they've told you the rope holds. They've told you that there you will go down fine. They've told you if you do your hand like this, you will stop. Who here doubted every word of that? When you were standing on the cliff, you're like, ah, I will be the one. I will be the one, right? It's not faith till it's absolute, till it has your all. And Jesus is about to leap off a cliff. And he says, God, if there be another way, but not my will, but yours. And Hebrews says it was for the joy set before him. You know what the joy was? He saw your face. He saw my face. He said, it's worth it. It's worth it. And he comes back, and he finds him sleeping, comes back, comes back third time, finds him sleeping. He says, fine, this is not working. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Here comes Judas, and they see some torches coming through the, the, the trees, and, and, and Peter's like, oh, 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 oh. And Judas walks up and says, you know, the guy I kissed is going to be the one. He kisses Jesus on the cheek, and Jesus, and the guards grab him, and Peter goes full Rambo. Ah! And he has such good aim. He doesn't hit a soldier. He doesn't hit Judas. He has some random dude who's just standing there. He doesn't even hit him. He just lops off an ear. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm just like, I'm not a smart guy, but I think I could do better. I'm just saying. I'm not a real, I don't have a lot of experience with swords. But Jesus, anyway, I can see Jesus, and Jesus looks at Peter. Have I ever, have I, okay, Peter, what do I do? Do I chop off ears? No. What do I do? You heal people. Right. Jesus picks up the ear, slaps it on the guy's head, and said, we got places to be. Let's roll. How do you think Peter feels right now? I can't figure out the foot washing thing. I can't figure out the watch and pray thing. I can't figure out the sword thing. But if you guys remember back in the middle when Jesus said, I'm about to die where I go, you can't go. Peter said, no, even if everybody leaves you, I won't leave you. And what did Jesus say to him? You'll deny me three times. You, 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 way worse than everybody else. Anybody received a prophetic word like that? That's just, thank you. I just feel so encouraged. And, uh, and in fact, he said, you know, he says this interesting thing. He says, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. What does it mean to sift wheat? Get all the big chunks. Get the big chunks. What are the big chunks? The wheat, the good stuff. You sift to find the good stuff. And notice Jesus doesn't say, I'm not going to let him. 
He says, I'm praying that you'll be restored. Because you think your strength is your bravado. You think your strength is your sword abilities. It's not. Yeah, you think your, 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 your strength is in your faithfulness to me. It's not. Or that you have a clue. It's not. That's not where your grace is. So offensive to his expectations. But here he is. Peter's like, Peter's in shame. And all the disciples bail. But Peter's like, not me. I said. Anybody had your words come back to bite you? I said I was with him to the end. Okay. You know, and he's sneaking behind the crowd like, "Mm." no, nothing here, nothing here. Oh, what's that tree? Right? And he gets up there and they take him by this circuitous route. If we can go back to that map of of Jerusalem. They they take him by this route um, up to uh, Caiaphas's, uh, um, uh, it's the green, green is from the Gethsemane down to Caiaphas, the high priest's house. And you got to imagine, the, Chi- the high priest's house was like the governor's mansion. And Peter's like, oh, just act like you belong. Just act like you belong. Right? And he goes in there. And because it's late at night, the staff are still waiting to go home. They're sitting out in the courtyard warming themselves by a fire while Jesus is inside with the high priest. And Peter's just sitting there. He's trying to figure out a plan. Anybody been in that place? Like, you've gotten as far as you can go, but you don't know what to do? He's just like... And they're like, hey, who are you? We haven't seen you around here before. And he's like, yeah, mm, yeah, mm, yeah, mm. And they're like, wait, I've seen you before. You were one of those guys with Jesus. No, 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 sir, I was not. What? They're like, no, no, you hear that Galilean hick accent? No, no, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right? I've never seen the man before right at that point. The, the rooster crows, and he remembers everything Jesus said. Shame upon shame upon shame upon shame. And he goes out bitter. The same time, that is, the rest of the disciples, uh, a lot of them have most likely fled out to Bethany, tried to make it out ahead of the cops. And uh, Jesus is taken... I don't know where Peter spent that night. It wasn't a good night for sure. The next morning, he hears that Jesus has been taken before Pontius Pilate. And there's a huge crowd gathered and there's, there's four prisoners up there. And Jesus, has, it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, who wants to be a millionaire? One of, it's like, one of these will leave a winner today. One of you will be released. One of you, one of these lucky people will be released because Pontius Pilate always wanted to make favor. And he thought, you know what? I don't want to kill a pacifist. That's a bad look. Jesus is pretty chill. Let's not deal with that. He goes, so I am going to release you, Jesus. You can imagine Peter's like, oh, yeah, come on, come on. But the priests have revved up the crowd. and They're like, no, give us Barabbas. Barabbas, what? Barabbas was like, it would be like going, no, give us the Mafia Dawn. Give us the Mafia Dawn. Like, like you mean that guy who's been killing our relatives? Wait, what? This, this, this warlord? Are you insane? What? Uh-huh. But sure enough, they released Barabbas. And Jesus and the other two guys who were probably part of Barabbas' crew, they get sent to be crucified. And Jesus is sent 
to away. And I, I can imagine Peter just seeing Jesus going, what is going on? This is not the story I signed up for. This is not it. And he, and he goes, he goes, Jesus. And Jesus is taken. And I worked in a prison. And I got it. You need to know something. In every prison, there are prison guards who the reason they're there is not the pay, but the fact that they get to dominate and control and brutalize other people. And the further you go down the ranks, thinking towards death row, the worse it gets. And these guys are the execution crew. And what do they do to Jesus? Everything. They brutalize him probably in every possible way. They beat him all but to death. They, put, uh, they, they, um, they blindfold him, try to beat him, trying to say, if you're really a prophet, prophesy who hit you. you know, and then they say, oh, you're a king. They put a crown of thorns gouging into the bone. They, they, they whip him the blood. I'm revealing the bone. He has not slept. He is hungry. He is thirsty. And then they grab a huge block of wood, a huge, think of like a railroad tie, and strap it to his arms and drag him out into the street. Normally, it would be hard for any man to carry this, let alone in his condition. As he staggers forward, I can imagine Peter, like, can you imagine? You've watched this man for three years. You've seen him. You've seen him heal the sick. You've seen him walk on water, for heaven's sake. You've seen him invite you to walk on water. You've seen him multiply food. You've seen him walk away from crowds who wanted to kill him. You've seen him, and now you're seeing the one that you've betrayed, the one, you, the shame of watching him. All of your hopes, all of your dreams shattered. And here Jesus is walk, staggering through the street. He can make a hundred steps or so and he collapses in the dust. They lift him back up. He makes it. Tradition says he fell seven times. Finally, they realize he wasn't getting up. The God of the universe, the man, the God who formed it all with the might of his hands is too weak. Why? Because he fully became a man. He didn't do this as some superman. He did not show us how to be superman. He showed us what a human being in full surrender to God with Holy Spirit, with God on the inside looks like. And even so, he is crushed. And they take off that railroad tie and they grab an African dude by the name of Simon from Cyrene, drag him out and say, you carry it. And Jesus is staggering behind him. I can see Peter flitting through the crowd trying to, make eye contact or figure out what's going on, but he's too afraid to get too close, too ashamed. And then he sees off in the distance, he sees the women and John, the women that Jesus had healed, the women that Jesus had driven demons out of, the women that he had treated with dignity and was, was gracious to when every man had used and abused them. The women who were treated as dogs in their society, he treated as fully worthy of dignity and care and humans. And he, these women said, it makes no sense to be here, but I can't be anywhere. Like Mary, it makes no sense to sacrifice everything, to risk my life standing with him. But I won't go anywhere else. Mary, his mother, was this how she expected the story to end? 
Did she have different expectations? What was happening to her heart? Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons and almost certainly had been a prostitute there in the prostitute section of Magdala. Salome, Mary, uh, or, or Joanna, the mother of James and John, all of them, they said, we don't know what's happening, but we can't be anywhere else. I don't, I, it offends my understanding, but I will, can't be anywhere else. And the only one who stayed close was John. Why? Because John was the one who loved him. See, love will take you past your understanding. It will take you past your expectations, take you past your, your frustrations, and past your unfulfilled expectations and your offense. And there they're standing as they take Jesus and they hammer, they lock in that, that railroad tie onto the, the, the post. And then they begin to hammer the, the, the uh, nails, the spikes into his hands and into his feet. And as they raise it up and drop it into the ground, you hear a gasp because the weight, not just the pain on his feet, but the weight causes him to begin to suffocate. And the only way not to suffocate is on his wounded feet to rise up on that bolt to keep his chest open. And in this moment, what does he say? Forgive them. What does he say? He's concerned, John, take care of my mama. As she's weeping there. And again, I see Peter in the background just so ashamed that he can't even draw close. There's this amazing moment. Matthew 27. As they're standing there, said from noon until three in the afternoon, for three hours in the heat of the sun, dying horribly. You guys remember on either side were those two thieves, probably part of Barabbas's crew. And the one thief yells out, ha, you can't, you saved others. Why can't you save yourself? If you're really the Messiah, why don't you come down from there and get us down too? What kind of expectation? But listen to the other guy. Dude, are you insane? We deserve to be here. He didn't do anything. And in this moment, when he's lost everything, he is the one person who can see Jesus correctly. He's the one man who can see Jesus correctly. Because everybody else sees him as something else. He looks at him and he says, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's dying. He's dying. What kind of kingdom are you talking about? But this is what faith does. This is what love does. It somehow pierces through our expectations, our offense, our lack of understanding, and it pierces through and says, I don't understand what this makes no sense, but I know you're the one. I don't know what it means or what it looks like. And Jesus looks at him and said, oh, my friend, today you will be with. He's not there because of his theological understanding. He's not there for any other reason than he gazed upon Jesus and saw everything he needs, everything he longs for, everything he was made for. 
And from that point on, it says about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And a lot of people have thought, well, God forsake, forsook him. No. If you read that, that's the first part of uh, Psalm 22 that ends with the fundamental understanding, but I know you never did forsake me. I know you never did leave me. I know you're with me. Why was he saying that? Because he felt what we felt. Have you ever felt forsaken? Have you ever felt that God abandoned? You've ever felt that God was your enemy? That's what it felt like to him. Our, our feelings can lie to us, but God is true. And he was tempted in every way like us. But then he says, he says, so into my hands, even though I feel, even though I feel that you've abandoned me, I don't listen to that. And rather I trust you with everything and I, into your hands, I commend my spirit. I give you my spirit and he dies. I, I can imagine Mary and Mary and Mary and uh, Joanna and Salome and the other ladies and John, they were waiting for the, the plot twist. They were waiting. This is the moment. Have you ever waited on a breakthrough and it hasn't come? The crushing, oh my gosh, all of their lives they gave, they've given everything. They have nothing left. They are now wanted people just as likely to end up on a cross as him. Why did we hang around and wait for the end? They make their way out. I don't know if John and Peter uh, had headed over to the, the upper room. But that next 36 hours probably looked a lot like what yesterday looked like. Depressing. Shame. If, you know, they didn't have a lot of windows, a lot of natural light. So they're just sitting in darkness for, for those 24, 36 hours, not knowing what's going on. And there they are in the darkness. Have you ever been in that dark place where there's no way out, but you're frozen and don't know what to do? Frozen. No ideas. No options. But do you know what? There were a group of people who had options. You know why? Because love gives you options. It was the women I love the title they give them in the Orthodox Church, the Myrrh Bearers. I don't know, it just sounds like some sort of gang to me. I don't know why. But, but they, the women, they, so remember, what did, what did Mary do? She poured out all that nard. They're like, if it worked once, <laughs> they said, he is dead. Why spend money? But they said, we have to show him this one last act of love because we were dead and now we're alive. We were, we were enslaved. We were demonized, but now we're whole. God, we were broken and now we're whole. All because of him. And we don't understand the story. We don't understand where it's going, but we won't let that change anything. He has my all. We are willing You've got to understand, when they did this, they risked everything. They gathered together their money, and they pooled it together, got themselves some spices, expensive spices, and they said, let's go to the tomb. Anybody know where the tomb is? Yeah, I heard this guy, Joseph Arimathea, got it. Got it. Awesome. It's in the rich section. Oh, man. And it's got a huge stone block in it. What are we going to do about that? They didn't have a plan. They talked about it on the way there. What are we going to do? What about the, what about the guards? Listen, when God tells you to go, you don't have the answers. You don't have the understanding, but you have the heart of love will lead you to go where no reason will take you. And they go and they're on the way. Here they are, women who are 
they, they, have, they have, carrying a large amount of money in the, in the dark of mourning. By the way, anybody carried large amounts of money? <laughs> like literally, this is the equivalent of carrying big blocks of gold. They're carrying this and they're going through the city and they are, they're, they're going and they don't know how it's going to end, but they get there and the stone is rolled away. Oh my goodness. And there are two angels going, what are you looking at us for? He's not here. And they go, oh my gosh. And they go running. If you look at the different accounts of in the Bible, you might see there's some discrepancy, and that's not surprising. Have you ever been to a party or been, not been at a party and then heard what happened? You, you trying to put together the pieces can be confusing, but this is the way I think it happened. Most of the Marys took off and headed for Bethany to the, the disciples there, but Mary Magdalene went back to the upper room and found Peter and John. She said, I don't know. He's gone. What do we do? And I love Peter and John take off. Peter, being a little more buff, take, leads the way, right? But who gets there first? John. John. Why do we know that? Because John wrote it. I, I'm fairly confident that was the only race he ever won in his life. And he's like, I won! <laughs> the only race that mattered. He got there, but they stoop and they go in and they find it just exactly as it was said. And they go back, but Mary, it's not enough. They say he's raised from the dead, but it's not enough. It's not enough. That hunger of love says, my understanding is so broken. I don't understand what's going on, but it's not enough. And she stays in the garden and she bumps into the gardener. She goes, gardener! I love she attacks him. <laughs> Woo, where have you taken his body? She's been told by an angel he's raised from the dead, but it's not good enough. I don't, she still doesn't believe. And Jesus goes, easy there, child. It's me. <gasps> he offends her fundamental, deepest understanding. Love is what will take you over. And it offends that understanding. In that moment, she goes, <gasps> and he goes, but let me go. I got things to do. I'll be back. She takes off running, tells the disciples, oh, my goodness. And she becomes the first apostle. She becomes the first sent one. She carries the resurrection message to the world. Why? Because love qualifies you. Love will take you where nothing else will take you. It will take you past where you want him. It will take him past where you've had him. It will take you where he's leading you. And every single one of us, we have a question that God answered that maybe that's how we came to him the first time. But every single one of us now is facing a question in our hearts that God has not yet shown himself to be the answer for. Could be sickness. Could be the fact that I'm alone. It could be the fact that I'm friendless. It could be the fact that my family is a mess. It could, be, it could be my job. It could be whatever it is. Every single one of us has an area where we feel God has failed us, where we don't have the answer. And you and I have got to make a decision for ourselves. Will we find him to be who he is, even though it offends our understanding, and allow him to take us where we've never been? Because what does Jesus say about himself? He said seven different things about himself. He said, he said, I am the bread of life. 
Listen, maybe you're getting your life from other people. Maybe you're getting your life from your health or from your money. I am your life. I am the light of the world. You, maybe you think you're all that in a bag of chips. Maybe you think you're the wise one and the smart one. Maybe you've got all the answers. I am the one who brings light to the darkness. I'm the gate for the sheep. Listen, listen, you don't get in by you. You get in through me. I am the way in, but I'm also your protection and I lead you. I am the good shepherd and the one who guides you. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the true vine. I'm the source of your life. Every road leads back to Jesus. Every road leads back to him and he leads us to the Father. He is the answer for every question we're asking, but it won't be the way we expect and it will offend our understanding. If you can close your eyes, As I said, every single one of us has a question we're asking. Every single one of us has something that we are not understanding. There's some area where we are offended, where we are frustrated, where we are, our hearts are hardened, where, where we have one understanding of reality, but that's not what's happening. And we're, ah! And that's where Jesus wants to meet you today. That's where he's extending his hand. He says, come to me, all of you who are burdened, heavy laden, and weary, and I will give you rest. It won't look like what you think. It won't look the way you imagine, but it will be far better by far because I am your life, not these things, not these relationships, not these people. I am your breakthrough, not the things you seek. I am everything. We could have the worship team come up. As we go into worship today, I would submit to us that every single one of us has a sacrifice, like Mary, of value. The, the questions that we're holding on to, the frustrations, the offenses, the whys, the why nots that we are carrying. Every single one of us has that. And God's saying, will you break it at my feet with no there's no way to get it back in the bottle. Lay it at his feet and find him to be the answer in a way you never expected. Is he worth it? Oh, he's worth it. Is he good? Oh, he's good. Let us worship together. Let's stand. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.